0: The Zone Coverage Podcast
1: Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. It's a dreary Wednesday afternoon in the Twin Cities, and you're tuned into Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter at Midwest Swing Pod. You can find Zone Coverage at Zone Coverage MN. I'm your host, Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. To my right is the conspicuously Twitterless Mike Gelfand. And the
0: dreary Mike Gelfand.
1: Well, <laughs> if there was a medium that was ever created for Mike Gelfand, it's Twitter.
0: Well, you know, all my friends, including Schreier, say, never go on twitter because apparently they don't feel like i have the impulse control to handle it
2: or maybe you have too much impulse maybe, control. maybe we should maybe we should open it up i just i always go on twitter and there's some great stuff on there but there's a lot of S- S- A lot of mediocrity. At Stretch underscore Gelfand. I bet it's still available. I don't know
3: if it
0: would work for me because, you know, I, I can actually spell words like tap and Kentucky. Mm. <laughs> and if, so, from what I hear, the, you know, the less literate you are, the more followers you have.
1: Now, <laughs> Jesus only had 12 followers. So I like that joke. Uh, you hear the laugh. That's Tom Schreier at T Schreier three on Twitter. We've got Justin producing today. We're going to get into a little bit of Twins talk, and I think I think we're going to be welcoming Ryan Turnquist at some point. We'll see if his schedule allows it, but we are going to break down the thirty-two and sixteen Minnesota Twins guys. Two wins for every loss, outside of being maybe two and one or four and two. Did you see this coming at all? Uh, no, but then you know <laughs> the,
0: the kind of things I see coming are like the apocalypse. <laughs> You know, the incineration of the earth, but the Twins with a 32-16 record. No, things just sort of changed overnight. You know, pitchers who were mediocre all of a sudden became the aces of the staff.
1: Yeah, you were talking about Jake Odorizzi off the air, and that was very illuminating.
0: Classic example, a guy who he, he has not only resurrected his career, he's become exceptional with one pitch, and it's a pitch That was always considered to be a bad pitch in the past. Like, you know, you go back even five years it was considered Mm -hmm. a bad pitch. He just throws the same pitch. He throws a 91-mile-an-hour fastball at the very top of the zone, precise control. The pitch always just shaves the upper limit of the zone, Mm -hmm. and batters can't hit it.
1: Yeah, and every now and then he'll break off a splitter or a slider just to keep guys honest. Right as long as he's got three of the six pitches he has working on any given day, including mm-hmm. that fastball, which is number one with a bullet for importance.
0: And, and I guess he throws that fastball, what, about 55% of the time?
1: I would guess at least. Yeah. It might even be 60. But he'll cut it too. He can make it tail a little bit. And all of those things combined can, I mean, even if a guy squares it up, if he's not expecting it to tail or cut, you're going from the meat of the bat to, you know, lazy roller to second base or... Right, rolling over to thirds. So,
0: and there aren't many hitters left. You know, it's right. mostly lifters now. Where have all the cowboys gone? Yeah, well, it's sad.
1: <laughs> it's it's sad, dreary, man. actually. Yeah, it yeah. is. So, Twins postseason odds right now eighty three point four percent on Baseball Reference. Mm-hmm. They're winning this division. I mean, they're they're going to win this division. Yeah. I think maybe by ten games. That's how bad Cleveland is. I I well, realize they're, they're
0: on track to to win by more than that.
1: Yeah, at this point, they're six and a half games up in the Central. Cleveland. Trevor Bauer basically imploding on himself. I mean, maybe that's an overstatement. Corey Kluber injured, elbow broken, growth plate or whatever. You got Mike Clevenger who's still not ready to come back. H- how soon can you? You know how like you watch the presidential elections, mm-hmm. and and this was famous for Fox was uh, wasn't it? Megyn Kelly who was running through the yes, hallways. It was yeah. <laughs> and they were trying to figure out yeah. how to not call it for Barack Obama or or whatever it was. Yes, back that's in 2012. what it was. Yeah, yeah. How soon can you call a race like this? Uh, I
0: can do it right now.
1: Should no, I, we get out and film you in the hallways of the T3 building? I can run around in it. Periscope?
0: Yeah, yeah. although I run very slowly.
1: Isn't that, isn't that spinal tap where they can't find their way? I know that I know that Chris Jericho, the wrestler, stole it. Mm. And so Bill Goldberg, I don't know if you're familiar, but he's one of the most famous wrestlers of he's the He's actually a cousin of mine. Really? Yep, he's from Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is where my father's from. How about that? He used to have a, an escort to the ring when he was at his peak. You'd hear his music blaring yeah, over the speakers, right, and sure. they would walk him with all these security guards. So Chris Jericho was this young buck, and he had a guy who was about 350 pounds and had a crop top shirt with permanent marker written like, written like Jericho's uh, professional security or something. Mm-hmm. And the guy had two teeth that you could see when he'd smile. And that was about it. <laughs> yeah. and his name was Ralphus. So th- pro-
0: I'm, g- I'm just going to take a guess. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say it was probably number 12 and
3: 13.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when, <laughs> and when they would walk to the ring and this, they did this on a the pay-per-view, they got lost on the way to the ring and they kept like pulling different doors trying to find their way. That's what it reminds me of what we would be doing trying to call this for the Twins. I don't think it's too early because, Well, first you know, of all, there's always the injury play that sure, can I mean, happen. I think they're also the well-appointed to, to handle – or to weather those storms like they did with Miguel Sano because Marwin Gonzalez takes professional Well, the question pads. is
0: whether they're able to weather Sano being
1: healthy. <laughs> that's fair. It, it's he really, it's, it's, that, speaking yeah. of the weather, I mean, that's— um,
0: well, There's no reason Sano should be in the major leagues. It you, really isn't. You don't think so? Well, I mean, every now and then he gives you two weeks that are okay. But there's, you know, 98% of all pitches that are thrown he can't hit.
2: Mm-hmm. What 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 happened— I felt like one of the surprising narratives when he first came up was that he was disciplined at the plate. Yeah. And that that whole aspect of his game, I don't know if he got kind of caught up and he was an all-star and he had power and
1: did he just fall in love with your swing even though it's got holes in it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I cuz that to me should be correctable. I mean,
1: I, I like yeah. Swiss cheese much as the next guy, but I don't want it for every meal. I'm not going to fall in love with something that's got that many holes and somehow yeah. that's uh as Groucho
0: said, I, you know, I like cigars, but I take them out of my mouth occasionally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's that's a fair that's a fair point. Um, I think it's I think one of his biggest problems
0: is his inability to concentrate. I think he's like a, a an uber ADHD guy because you see him do things that you don't see other players do. You know, like runner runners at first and second with two outs. Somebody hits a ground ball to him. He checks the runner back to second and then throws to first for the third out. Now, who else do you see do that? This is not a guy who's thinking the way most of us think. Most of us know what to do when the ball is hit to us. He doesn't. So, yeah, I, I think, and I think that lack of focus probably, uh, probably has an effect, a negative effect on his ability to stay in the groove at the plate.
1: Well, and defensively, you need to be thinking one or two steps ahead – you know, what happens if a rocket is hit to my left, to my right? If I hit a yeah. – get a slow roller at third, am I going to be able to make a play to second or am I going to first if there's a run on first and and fewer than two outs? The
0: T-ball kids I coach know that.
1: Yeah. You coach T-ball? Like they, they – like Not they anymore. Res- kids <laughs> – Kids no. respond
0: to you? Like now they just say, you know, there's an old man who wants to coach T-ball. Obviously, he must he must be on some sort of neighborhood watch list or something.
1: <laughs> Red flags abound.
0: But no, I've coached all my kids in T-ball. So that, yeah. that gave me six years of coaching T-ball. And you know what? That's the best age to coach.
1: Any any um, Anybody held back in T-ball or were they all skilled enough to move up?
0: Well, they weren't necessarily skilled skilled enough, to, but they did move up. Age. Yeah. You just Father time's undefeated. Can't keep him there. No, no. <laughs> no, That, but those kids, you know, they have a good time. And, and like one mother said to me, well, you know, Jimmy's – all he does in right field there is, he, you know, he just sits down and play, plays in the sand. Why do you let him do that? And I said, well, if he's not paying attention, the ball might hit him and he could pick it up and throw it. If he's paying attention, he'll never go anywhere near the ball. <laughs> so – yeah, you adjust to it as a coach, you know. You you it's a good way to, it's a good way to, uh, I would say to uh, get to have more reasonable expectations.
1: Now, I want to ask you guys about Michael Pineda, and obviously, if you read Twitter, you weren't reading Twitter last night, but no, people are talking about him being quote unquote gassed. Yeah, because he uh, only
0: pitches five innings. I mean, he's, I'm, he's I'm, never been good for more than five innings.
1: I'm not sure if it's gassed or if it's just the third time through the order penalty or what it is, but I feel probably like, a little of both, right? I feel like the gassed. Conversation comes from him being overweight. And well, like,
0: right, yeah. And
1: I feel like it's a it's a convenient connection to make that we don't necessarily know is even true. Mm. And you know, I guess I just I don't like the stigma of him being overweight. As people immediately rushing to the idea that he's uh, he's so out of shape that he's out of breath. I mean, he gave up three earned runs in the first two innings, and everyone says, "Oh, he's gassed. Oh, he's gassed." Yeah. So was he gassed over the final four innings? No, he no. made adjustments and was better. And I think that's three straight quality starts for him. You know, the ERA is still a, a Twin Cities zip code, but, or um, area code, but uh, he's making progress. And I think people forget or lose sight of the fact that even though it was almost two years ago, he's still coming back from Tommy John surgery and a fairly fairly serious knee injury.
0: Yeah, I mean, he is a guy who used to throw a 96, right? 95, 96, yeah. Yeah, and he, obviously he, he can't get near that anymore. He's not the same guy. But he was almost always known, especially with the Yankees, you know, he would give them five innings. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much it.
1: So Well, and they, could, they were prepared to weather that storm. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, that's, that's true. Um, but I think that's what you're getting with him. And, and I, would, I would have to agree with you, though. You know, it's, it's, probably, it's probably more the third time around because I don't see him throwing different pitches in the, in the fifth or sixth innings. He right. threw in the first.
1: I wonder if he'll get a little further up the FM dial, though, as the season goes on and things warm up, and he gets mm. further, you know, puts puts the surgery further in his rearview mirror. And people were saying, you know, that surgery was almost two years ago. It was mid-July of 2017. Not pitching matters. Right. It, it It's about breaking up scar tissue. And everybody says, well, why can't you just put him on the DL and let him get even healthier? Mm. It's not about health. It's about the repetition. It's about the actual process or the act of pitching that he just needs to do. In this situation, I mean, if you DL him and then send him on a rehab, so what if he clowns AAA batters for four innings? That's that's right. not going to do a, a a single good thing for him. He's got to face big league.
0: I don't I don't think it would be a bad
1: thing if he lost forty pounds.
2: He he is he is listed at six seven two eighty.
1: That's still probably conservative. Yeah yeah I I'd be uh, you could list me at two
2: two seventy and I'd be uh, on the wrong side of that. Well, it, my, my thought with him is, I think if there was a viable fifth option, as in S- Gonsalves or, or Gonsalves whoever got got lit up, yeah, or, or, or five L- walks, Lewis Thorpe. Or something. I'm trying to think someone in the minor leagues who Cole Stewart, uh, yeah, or Gratterall, exactly. I guess later on,
0: I think we've seen enough of
2: Cole Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's another. He's in Mike Scott doghouse. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think maybe Pineda could be an option in the bullpen. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what the velo does if he makes that move. Because well, we it, talked about with Pelfrey, like Pelfrey probably should have been a bullpen arm. Everybody's told me though, that Pelf couldn't
1: get loose in time to do that.
2: Huh? And that, that actually makes sense. I've, I found this out
1: after the fact, after I wrote,
2: you know, 10,000 words on it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I <laughs> well, just, I, I, you know, the, the pitching situation is a concern. We've talked about it and I think it's pretty obvious, but
0: mm-hmm. there's going to be attrition there.
2: Right. And, and it seemed like they just had four options in the bullpen. the, players like Marin are interesting because I think it's, it's hard to find someone who can throw like a hundred all year long, or at least certainly over a stretch of like five years. Mm. If you have a guy who has some off sweet stuff throws 91, but the the low end is 75, mm-hmm. you would think by if that person can locate in the zone and create a whole bunch of change of, you know, uh, miles per hour, the 91, oh, looks the faster. yeah, the differential, um, 91 looks faster than than it would for a guy who's just throwing high heat the whole time.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's
2: accurate. Do you have any opinions on Mr. Morin or you know, there? I I haven't Ryan seen Harper. I don't think
0: I've seen him enough to really yeah. know, but but it is it's interesting to to have an arm like that in the bullpen, you know, it gives you a little something different. And, and really in the bullpen, you one of the things you really want is a lot of variety there. Unless you've got like the Yankees at one time or another, and you've got like four guys who can throw a hundred miles. An Kansas hour.
2: City when they won the the World Series. Yeah,
0: yeah, but the Twins are never going to have that.
2: No, and and so like Harper's interesting because it's all curveballs. Well, yeah. So so Parker, it's all splits.
1: Yeah, Harper, it's all curveballs. Rogers, it's all sliders, and you've got Marin, It's all changeups. Duffy, it's all knuckle curves.
0: I noticed with Rogers though, he seems to be far more relying on his fastball than he used to. Well,
1: now he's, that it's touching 95?
0: Yeah, yeah, right. And I don't think necessarily that's great for him because he does have a wicked curveball. But, mm-hmm. but um, of course, you know, the curveball is, is far more effective, obviously, against lefties. So,
1: yeah, when it starts behind you, it's tough to hit. Yeah, really, yeah. He hasn't given up an extra base hit to, to a left-handed hitter since July of 2017. Wow. It's he didn't know that until he saw that I tweeted it and his brother, yeah. his twin brother, the right-handed submarine throwing Tyler Rogers. Uh-huh. Imagine trying to keep those two separate. Yeah, it'd be tough. You throw a baseball at him and see which hand they catch, and that's how you <laughs> know yeah. which is which. But um, yeah. he he showed him that that tweet, and so at Twins Fest we kind of laughed about it. And then he told me the first time that he gives up an extra base hit to a lefty, he's gonna look up at the press box, and I said, "Oh, you're probably gonna signal, you know, the hands across your sure. throat." Sure probably deservedly so.
0: I you know I coached I coached uh, identical twins. <laughs> and and they were almost impossible to tell apart except that that there was Pat and Mike, but Pat had some warts on his neck and they were kind of subtle. <laughs> but so I I was able to know which one was Pat and which one was Mike. Almost nobody else could do it, but I had known him for quite a while. So I would go up to Pat, who I knew from the warts and I'd say, "You know, Mike, you're doing a great job for us, but your brother, Pat, is such a pain in the ass. <laughs> and he'd like get really pissed off. It like, took him like five times to figure out that I
1: You're just messing with, that I messing with him. Hey, whatever works. So Jose Barrios is obviously signed through next year. And, and beyond that, Martin Perez has an option for next year. You've got Jake Odorizzi, Michael Pineda, and Kyle Gibson who are all slated for free agency. Mm. Of those three... What do you envision playing out as far as, you know, who they keep, who they move well, on Well, first
0: from? I want to ask you a question. Sure. I know nothing about what goes on and I don't know the players, nothing like that. But I really wonder if Barrios is just – if there's some synapses that aren't firing there. Is that just me? As far as – He just seems somewhat delusional.
1: You I know? think he's all baseball all the time. Like but, he's, he just does not shut it off.
0: It's like you know we were talking a while ago uh, off the microphone about about Barrios saying after he went four and two thirds two thirds saying you know well I you know I, I really I thought my curveball was really sharp today my fastball was lively and then the manager says I oh, didn't couldn't get his curveball over his fastball was no, wasn't there's a failure for him.
1: to communicate in there somewhere so
0: I just wonder if if he's just like you know a little dense I
2: so my my thought well would that, that be for better or worse. Like a quarterback mm-hmm. who is
1: so dense that he doesn't know he can't make that throw, and so he tries it. Johnny Manziel right. on one end and Brett Favre on the other.
0: Well, it would definitely be bad. In case Keenum in
1: the middle. It would be bad
0: <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're if you're having trouble with with one or two pitches or all of them, and you don't know it. That would be bad. Yeah, because you'd still want to be challenging people. And it seems like it seems like about maybe a third. Of the time that Barrios pitches, he has command of his breaking pitch. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times he doesn't need it, the command, I mean. He mm-hmm. can throw it in the dirt and people will swing at it. But then again, you know, if his fastball isn't that great either, then everything breaks down. It's a systemic thing.
1: Do you think he's been better than Martin Perez this year or who who do you think has been better? Well, Martin Perez has been better.
0: I think so too. Yeah, and obviously Odorizzi.
2: Yeah, I, I do. I think going to that quote though, and we were talking just as a reporter. I think it's too easy for, especially on the pitcher side, that their first quote is always, I thought I was doing fine and I, I got hit around. Yeah. Because it's kind of hard to just be like, unless like Mike Pelfrey would do this, he'd just be like, yeah, I was just bad. You know what I mean? Like he just pawned his sword like a. It's like the old Charlie Walters bit. And we're going to have Shooter on one of these times. Yeah, I don't yeah, know I when. Know going with
1: this good guy. But it yeah. was. <clears throat> Excuse me, I should have told Justin I was going to cough. Uh, Charlie Walters says he's out there and it's the second inning and he's getting hit around a little bit. And the manager comes up to take the baseball and he goes, Skip, I'm not tired yet. And the guy goes, Well, your outfielders are. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just. <laughs> Charlie has an arsenal.
2: I, <laughs> More ways yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Because he said he also could, like, they pull him out of the game once the, the bats got louder or something like that. <laughs> you, know, you could tell by the, the sound. But I, I think. I think sometimes you have to take with a grain of salt the first thing that is said because it's probably something canned or something that's just kind of talking to talk. I think my question there is if you pry into it, he is someone who, well, maybe not. I always think of Kyle Gibson being that guy who almost overthinks everything and nibbles. Mm. I don't see that with Burrios. There is a method to his madness as in like his regimen and when Mm -hmm. he's using which which pitch where. And I think something could happen where he answers the first answer he gives you kind of a canned response and then if you ask about his curveball he goes oh no no no, it's flat and people were getting hit yeah and it's uh yeah it's a funny like it's a funny dynamic with um we were saying it's too often media now is inviting kind of these bad quotes people already kind of have their stuff written they're half listening or whatever talk
1: about this talk about that yeah
2: and uh, and like i said i think kind of looking behind the scenes yeah when we discuss the the coverage here a lot of what we're trying to do is get to something very specific right
0: and, and you know i can tell you as as a seasoned journalist, uh, a dreary one, but seasoned, <laughs> I can tell you that that the best way to find out interesting information about a player, about the way he thinks, is just to lay back and let him talk. For uh, sure. You know, but who has time to do that?
2: Right. Um, Although with baseball, I'd say like in the you know pregame or whatever, mm-hmm. you tend to, and and I think. Um, We've mentioned – you've written about Odorizzi. He had the – he went to the, some Florida ranch, right? To, the Florida baseball ranch. Yeah. With him, there's there's some truth that you just kind of open it up and he goes. Mm-hmm. I guess some people maybe need to be led along a little bit. Right. Um, but it – this information should be getting out there because this is not like a football or basketball where they're just – you know, they know they only have to talk once. Right. They usually just kind of get out. And, and um, yeah, I just – with him, at least when I've talked to him off the record, he is very baseball focused. I mm-hmm. remember before he really oh, yeah. knew English, I asked him about a PlayStation. In his, it, only it, play it, baseball. Yeah. So I, I was like, do you play like Madden or you yeah. know, Grand Theft Auto or whatever? You no, know, baseball. <laughs> Anything else? No, yeah. baseball. I bet he only plays as himself, too. Yeah. Yeah. But and, um,
1: okay. So if you could, let's go back to the, the point for a second. If you could only keep
2: two of the three pitchers mm-hmm. yeah. that are going to be free agents, who do you pick? So between this is Odorizzi, Gibson, and Piria. Pineda. I drop Pineda. Okay. Uh, yeah, Mike.
0: Yeah, I would, say, I would say I would I would agree Pineda. I just um, but you know what? It's it's I think it's almost a fifty fifty call too.
1: Do you think there's any chance they keep all three? I really don't. No. Mm-mm. No,
0: and it because you know you got to make room for Grad roll or because you're talking about a, a fourth and a fifth starter there. Yeah. Then you're not
1: going to spend eight or ten or twelve million. No, so now we've got on the line Ryan Turnquist. Hey, Ryan, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, good. Uh, we are talking about future free agents for the twins and this offseason with Odorizzi, Pineda, and Gibson. If you could only keep two of those three, who would it be?
4: Uh, beginning of the year, I probably would have told you, uh, I think Pineda and Gibson. Now I would definitely say Odorizzi's. In that mix, I would say I keep voting to Gibson and probably drop the with the way things are right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's fair. So people can follow you on Twitter, by the way, at two underscore underscore canes with a Z. To reset, we've got Tom Schreier in the building. We've got Mike Gelfand. And then, of course, me, Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. Tom Schreier at T Schreier three. And b- before we get too far down the road here, we're going to break down the mailbag of uh, questions that I took from Twitter, against my own better judgment. And, uh, and we're just going to kind of do a little roundtable. Does that sound like fun?
4: Yeah, let's do it. I read those this morning in preparation, so I'm all ready to go. Well,
1: good. So Jeremy Frank, who is known for MLB Random Stats Twitter account, means he just tweets out stats, got 30,000 followers. <laughs> Crazy, just for numbers. <laughs> Says, if Byron Buxton was a free agent right now and got an eight-year deal, how much money do you think he'd get? Now, I said – 120 million. And I figured, you know, he's hitting, and then that's got to factor into it. Defense, base running. He does, he, he's, he's got a floor that's still fairly decent as long as he stays healthy. Last year was a debacle, but he wasn't healthy. So that's 15 million a year, eight years, 120 million, assuming the arbitration control and everything goes out the window. Let's start with Tom. I mean, do you think I'm in the ballpark there at 50 yeah, million per year? The problem is eight-year deal. We're 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 trying to figure out what would happen in a marketplace that no longer exists. Nobody's getting eight-year deals now. Buxton could get one if he was declared a free agent, like Ricky Henderson on Little Big League, and gets an eight-year
2: deal. I, I think it's over 100 million for sure. No, I, I I'd almost go higher just because those are the ages you want him. I think the issue with like you look at like a pool hole steal or something like that Mm -hmm. is that you got him in his thirties. Yeah. Um, If anything, the Cardinals got away with a great contract with Goldschmidt. It's five years, He's 30 years old. If you get Buxton through 25, you should be entering his prime or in his prime currently. Right. If the last year he's 33 and you, he's not a serviceable player. That's, that's a perfectly fine contract. I mean mm-hmm. it, it kind of one of those things when, when you're left, there's no no issue. So I, I just like it from the standpoint of you're getting them at the ages that you want Byron Buxton under contract. Yeah. Mike, how about you?
0: You know, I, just offhand but it wouldn't have been a particularly informed opinion but I was going to say 140 um, because it's not easy to find – an ideal leadoff hitter. Ironically, of course, he's not leading off, but he mm-hmm. should be. Um, the idea that Kepler's leading off is absurd. Kepler's like has, has what one of the lowest on base percentages uh, on the team, and and Kepler can't steal a base. And it's true, Buxton can't steal third base. Right. But I have to believe that if you were looking at signing him for eight years, you'd probably be willing to teach him how to steal third base just as an aside. But you know he's not—he's nowhere near the guy we used to know. Mm-hmm. His swing is entirely different. hes, he's using torque now for it's power.
1: All in the hips. Yeah, like on Happy a, Gilmore.
0: All in the hips. He's like a tennis player. You know yeah. that's what tennis players do—they torque. They don't like run up and hit it or anything. And speaking and, of Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or uh, or Reyes—is that how it's pronounced?
1: Or each year before him, yeah, Ar- yeah. Arise, yeah, yeah, Luis Arise.
0: Arise actually runs out of the batter's box to hit the ball. And he's
1: going to catch hell for that.
0: Well, technically you're out. Right, that's what I mean. He did it yesterday. He should have been called out immediately, and he wasn't. It's but like a
1: softball swing.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, it is exactly like a softball swing. So, But the point is he's still got all this potential because he's not going to get hurt like he used to because they obviously they've worked with him on not running into the fence. So he hasn't been running into the fence lately, and he's he's playing. He's not playing. You know, he's playing much much farther back, so he doesn't have to run into the fence. So they figure, well, there's some balls that'll fall in front of him, but he's not going to crash into the fence as much. Yeah, occasionally he will. But
1: you'll give up singles instead of doubles and right. triples.
0: Yeah, and, and he won't get hurt. That's the theory, and I think it's 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 true. So. Uh, I just don't know. I mean, that's a gem there. Yeah. A guy who's going to be your leadoff hitter for eight years, who's going to steal presumably 60, 70 bases a year. Uh, You know, I I don't know why he doesn't steal more bases. Now it's a mystery to me. Mm -hmm. You would probably know. Well,
1: especially because he's in front of – Kepler and Polanco, if you have them in front of Cruz or Rosario, you don't want to risk those shirts. Sure, sure. But at this point, yeah, no, it's a – I think they should – maybe his three-quarter shirt should be bubble wrapped just to be safe too, though, the the shirt (laughs) he wears underneath. Ryan, (laughs) I know you're a big buck guy. What would you do for (laughs) eight years?
4: Yeah, so it's funny you talk about trying to predict a contract in a marketplace that doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. The closest contract I can think about uh, when thinking about a potential bucks and extension – In terms of players, the Jason Hayward deal that he signed to
3: Chicago—yeah,
4: that's obviously you know you maybe maybe a bit of a full highly touted prospect, very good defensively, with with questions about how the bat has performed. And what did he get? Something like and don't have an was it eight and one seventy five or something? I think he got. See, I think he got the Joe Maurer contract. I think he got. I think he got eight one eighty four.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right with an opt-out no, after – you're dead on with that, yeah. Eight and 184? Yep. With an opt-out after three, I think. Yeah, like he's right. going to so use I that.
4: Think, <laughs> So I think if you're talking bucks in extension, I think anything um, between the numbers that that you and, and Mike mentioned, 120 or 140, you take that.
1: Yeah,
4: um, yeah. It I, might I, be 160. I, I'd say that's pretty good.
1: Yeah.
2: All right, well, this, the next question is from oh, MN – real mm. quick. Sure, just to piggyback on that. Mike brought up him leading off, and I think where he hits in the order is becoming louder and louder. Um, how do you approach, I'm assuming at some point he would move up as if he continues his swing like yeah. he is. How would you handle kind of moving him up? For, for, me,
1: for me, he's a number six hitter at his floor and a number two hitter at his peak. I don't know that he's going to develop the on-base skills I want from a leadoff hitter, and so I'm not trying to step on the point that you mm. like him as, a, as a, a leadoff guy, but I think – the part of his game that's going to develop, as it will, is power, and power is relative because you can use your feet to turn singles into doubles, doubles into triples, increase your slugging percentage, and, and yep. thereby power, quote unquote. I I don't know that he'll ever have a three forty or three fifty on base. But you can say the same about Max Kepler unless he hits 270. Well, I can
0: definitively say that about Max Kepler.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Mediocre Max has plateaued. This is what we're going to get from him. He's Mm -hmm. made no effort to improve and he's going to continue to to be content to use 15% of the field.
1: Yeah, the right field corner? Yeah. And hit laser shots right to hit the regular. Right
0: yeah, I mean it's very impressive when you, when you know you can say, "Wow, the, this is where analytics can fail you." You can say, "Oh, velocity speed's tremendous, you know, launch angle is great." Yeah, but if you hit it exactly
1: where like everyone knows balls. you're going to hit it,
0: that yeah. doesn't really work.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. So I I think though the with Buxton, if he turns into Tory Hunter light, you have him hit sixth. If he turns into I'm not going to say Mike Trout or anything, but the best version of him mm-hmm. maybe slugs 500 with a 340 on base. Sure. And yeah, you know, I think I want that guy batting second on a good lineup. Uh Ryan, I know you have opinions too.
4: Yeah, I mean I, I think we're pretty much in lockstep on that brand yeah. and I don't think I don't necessarily think he'll ever be a leadoff hitter. I don't I don't View him as the singles hitter
1: that's going to steal 60, 70 bases. No, um, well, he's not Kenny Lofton. And, and speaking of players of eras gone by, right. I mean, well, the Schaefer- thing about
0: Buxton is he can't steal 60 bases if he doesn't run on the first pitch. Yeah. yeah For yeah. every pitch you don't run right. on, that decreases your, obviously, that, that dramatically decreases your ability to steal.
1: Yeah, statistically, it's right. just just the case, especially if Eddie Rosario is hitting behind you and he's swinging at everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, should we dive into the second question here? Uh, MN Twin Pinions says, "Are you surprised the Twins haven't used an opener after using them frequently last September? Is Rocco's coaching staff open to it?" Um, but you can make he says you can make a, a case for Pineda. Um, I am not surprised because it's four guys who have been solid. And then Pineda, I don't think this team is set up to use an opener. I think they prefer to keep their bullpen guys on the back end. You know, you don't have Gabriel Moya up here to, to do that. He's not pitching all that well in Rochester anyhow. But when Cole Stewart and Steven Gonsalves are mainstays in your rotation, you're using an opener. Hmm. But, I mean, you're not using an opener for Kyle Gibson or Jake Odorizzi. So, frankly, I'm not that surprised. Ryan, how about you?
4: Yeah, no, not, not at all. I thought, you know, that could be a, a possibility, um, depending on how the rotation shook out you know, out of spring training, but now that was going to
1: suck that, that, then maybe, yeah, (laughs) that's true.
4: Right. right. But now that, I mean, they're they're one through five uh, guys have started and done so confidently in the past. Um, no real need to use an opener. You can make a case for Pineda as he's kind of struggled the third time through. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to, if you wanted to tinker with that and, and make sure he's only seen, you know, two times through the lineup and giving him the second to the six innings or something like that. Um, They could maybe go that route in the future, but right now I'm certainly not surprised that they haven't
1: used it. Ryan, last night I tweeted that Pineda's not who he is right now. I mean, he does have quality starts, I think, in his last three, but do you have a sense that the best is yet to come for him? Because I really feel like that's the case.
3: Yeah,
4: it's funny. My dad sent me a text last night in the third inning and said, Big Mike is a weak link, and I said, Dad, he hasn't pitched for two years. He's still working his way back from – from Tommy John. I, I think once we get into the summer months here mm-hmm. um, and, he, and he really starts to get back to full strength, I I think you'll you'll start to see the Michael Pineda that that the Twins ex- have expected to see. I said at the beginning of the year um, in spring training that I thought he would end up being our second best starter. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I think that now with the way Orizzi and Perez have pitched, but I certainly think you'll see him perform better as the year goes along.
1: Speaking of big Mike, Mr. Gelfand, how about you? Are you surprised they're not using the opener? No, I, I,
0: I think I can't dispute what you said. This is a, a team like Tampa, for example. You know they've got this this huge collection of guys who can pitch two or three innings. They're a bunch
1: of misfits. Yeah,
0: yeah, and but they somehow you know they all fit together pretty well. But the Twins don't have that kind of team. They I think they did. I think they bullpen. did last year. Maybe more so last yeah.
2: year. Yeah. In, oh? in an emergency, so Pineda gets hurt, and you're not certain like a, a prospect. Like Cole, which, if it was Cole that's Stewart where I'm coming going with up. It. Yep. I think then you have a
1: so who opens for
2: you, Matt McGill?
1: That's the problem. Is I
2: don't. There's not know, really
1: a natural fit. Well, and,
2: and they really only have. Uh, there's a limitation in the bullpen. It seems almost irresponsible to start one in the first inning when you need all these guys to close out a game. And all hands on deck. Yeah. okay, I mean,
0: remember, the the true opener pitches one inning, maybe yeah. two. Yeah. Uh, the, that's that's the that's the template that Tampa has used successfully.
1: Yeah i i i I like Ryan staek, the guy they use most mm-hmm. often, but they use Sergio Romo, who was kind of a weird candidate if you ask me, but staek I really like um andy pants underscore or it's pants underscore andy andy <laughs> wants to know, and this is something you guys may not speak to, but I'll frame it up so it makes sense he says do you do the players themselves see this as a team who can go the distance, or are they cautious not over overly optimistic? what does the team think now what I want to know is Can this team in the playoffs overcome that stigma, that cloud of the Yankees? That cloud was – it was a Ron Gardenhire creation. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he caused it. It continued through Paul Molitor, although albeit just that one playoff game, but they didn't beat them in the regular season either. Do you get the sense that a team fronted by a Nelson Cruz or an Eddie Rosario, those guys who have that DGAF in their blood – they're going to step up and they don't care that it's Yankee Stadium in October. Jorge Polanco never looks like he's out of place. Do you get the sense that they have that DGAF button they can just flip, that they can beat the Yankees in October? Um, I want to get Mike's opinion first.
0: You know, I, I don't – I'm just a an observer, a weathered, dreary observer. And uh, all I can say is that I, I think that – I don't think it's a stigma. No? No, I
1: think it's just inferiority. Just not as good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were poor. They were poorly crafted to take on the Yankees in two thousand six or whatever, because you got guys who nibble at the zone. Your your Scott Baker's, your Brad Radke's, and then you've got a team with the best strike zone discipline in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's a terrible meeting because if you nibble and you fall behind 2-0 to Jason Giambi, yeah, and then you come with a fastball, you know, down the dick to steal yeah. a phrase, <laughs> uh, he's gonna piss all over it. And that's that's the reason why the Twins had no chance against him. And and against the Yankees, and I think at now talent wise, I think they can be semi close as long as they don't get to the bullpen in the fifth or sixth yeah. inning.
0: Well, and the pitching is is competitive for sure. Yeah, and the thing is, I think if you if I look through their lineup, I don't see top ten guys at any position for the Yankees. Twins, I oh. don't see top ten guys anywhere. So, and with the Yankees and Houston. And Boston. I see a lot of those guys, you know, like at least three on mm-hmm. each team, but I don't see any of those. Uh, well, probably most of the players on those
1: teams. I don't think there's a top 10 guy in the Twins lineup. But is there enough balance? I, I don't some of the, like a sum of your parts, like Detroit yeah. 10, 15 years ago when Maglio Ordonez, you know, pre Miguel Cabrera or maybe mm-hmm. early Miguel Cabrera, who were, I guess he'd be the number one first baseman, but there are some teams who've been some of their parts. Uh, the Royals yeah. a few years ago, too. Sure. Could the Twins be one of those teams?
0: It, it, to me, it would just be
1: about the pitching. We, yeah. we know what we're going to get from the position players. Sure. Tom, how about you? What do you say as far as uh, if you if – because you, you've been in the clubhouse. so you've seen yeah. For me – and I, I wrote this. There's a guy who said we're going to the playoffs this year, and he looked me right in the eye when he said it in Fort
2: Myers, and I was like, hey, I agree with you. I think you guys are going to be great. Yeah, I, I think – Mike's on to something that the Yankees are typically a better team. In fact, usually better than most of the teams in the American League.
1: Yeah, how League. unfair is it that the Twins get good again and the Yankees are getting good <laughs> but, but again? I mean, what, when the Yankees are want. bad, they win 83 games. Yeah, When the Twins are bad, they win fifty. games. And the Yankees
0: games. have 13, 14 players on the, on the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, still, right now.
2: They're still really they still took two or three Yeah, so times. I to be fair, though, I actually like it when the White Sox and the Yankees are good while the Twins are good. I think that that... If you know the twins should aim to beat the best teams in but the, the league, Royals not try didn't to sneak. Have to
1: beat the Yankees to get to the little Series. yeah, yeah, yeah how yeah.
2: unfair does that feel? um I mean, to me though, I think I think they should beat or build a team to try to beat the Yankees mm-hmm. and o six was a team that this wasn't like o two when they surprised everyone and I
1: think 06 o- the- might have been the best Twins team of my lifetime. Yeah, and but it, sh-
2: it should be a team designed to beat the best team in baseball in my or mind. Or in this case, not even Oakland. If there is a mental block, it should be erased not just by the young players you mentioned who I think have a different mentality than a lot of Twins players have in the, in the past, but you have scope. You have crews. You have the veterans like that. Also, Rocco comes from the Rays organization. You can't be a Rays lifer David, and be like, "We just can't beat the Yankees." I'm the sorry, David, guys. The David of all David's against Goliath. Exactly. So he's coming from a, an organization where they really don't have a lot of resources and are kind of always. But the is underdog. that
1: transferable, or is that just a, a function of being the Rays?
2: They should. I the one thing I I picked from one of the um, press conferences or whatever was he was asked about how they're going to handle losing streaks. So they did. They had like that 11-0 loss to Houston, uh the bad loss to Philadelphia, a couple of these where... The older Rizzi one. Yeah, yeah a couple where they could have really spiraled out of control. And he said, and I, I thought this was right, like let's not just freak out every time Put we lose. Put the music on. Put the music on, turn the yeah. turn the TVs on, talk to each other. And, and um that doesn't mean kind of like have a celebration or something. But No dance party. Um But if he can normalize losing, especially in baseball where it happens a lot, I think there's, it helps get out of a negative mindset.
1: Ryan, do you think this is a team that can beat that stigma or whatever you call it of, of the Yankee curse?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that stigma is a little overblown, especially considering mm-hmm. that the front office is completely different, the manager is completely different, the players are completely different. It's, this, it's not, the, it's not the, same, the same group of guys that was around for this, this whole Yankee cloud you know, in the mid-2000s. I also, I think one of the things I have really enjoyed about this ball club is their resiliency. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's something like, is it 12 and 12 and and three, after a loss or something like that. Right. Um, and they always seem to whatever happens the day before good or bad, they always seem to throw it out the window and just go play ball. And the process is the same the next day. Um, and I think, I think that could be attributed a lot to, to the manager, um, to some of the intangibles that Rocco brings and, um, I think I think having an attitude like that, a guy leading the leading the ship like that, um, sure they can take down a team like the Yankees. I don't think the the stigma part of it is an issue so much as uh, Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez and Claver Torres guys like that would be the issue.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's no question about that. I like this next question from Jake Adams at Jacob Adams Twins. Who are your all stars as of right now from the Twins? And I said Jorge Polanco and then one of Martin Perez. Jose Brios, or Jake Odorizzi, Mitch Garver getting hurt when he did might hurt his chances. But catcher is so shallow in the AL, you could you could still make a case. Tom, how are you handicapping the potential for Twins All Stars now, and how could it change in the next six weeks?
2: It, the best case scenario would be their young guys. Like I, as much as maybe the All Star nod didn't help Sano, so I think it does there's some verification for a uh, Buxton for uh uh yeah I out of Buxton I, I guess I didn't even think about that to me I think it's less the number um maybe that matters to certain fans or people in the organization or whatever it's more who who is the all-star because if it's Nelson Cruz carrying you that's exciting but he's not part of the future to me I would look specifically at um and I guess most of my focus would be on is it Brios? is it Buxton is it Polanco. Yeah, Polanco or Rosario or something. Like I that. think
1: Polanco has to be the favorite right now to be the first or the token. I, I hate that word, but the, the required I think Polanco, representative. Representative. Yes. <laughs> yes. Better than token. How about uh how about you, Ryan? What are you thinking for for All Stars right now? I know it's early, but all star voting starts early every year.
4: It is early. I think I agree with you, Polanco would be their initial representative. And I think if they continue to play ball like they are, you know, um, second best record in all baseball, half game behind the Astros. They're going to get multiple guys in there. So then you're talking about, uh, like you say, one of the starting pitchers. You can really t- pick your pick your poison there, as far, as far as which one you want.
1: Mm-hmm. Might just you want line up there. whoever's lined up to pitch.
3: Right.
4: Yeah. And then so, and then it's guys like it's Polanco. I think Rosario, if he heats up, it's you know it's still possible. 13 homers. Fox, and you certainly have to consider uh, leading the league in doubles and. If the average plays around two seventy five two eighty, I think he's he's got a legitimate shot. Another like Taylor Taylor Rogers as well, who's oh, yeah. been absolutely like out in the fan.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Mike. How about you? How would you vote if you had a ballot in front of you and you were punching out Chads?
0: Well, uh, Polanco clearly. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's that close among the pitchers. <laughs> you know who I think should be the All Star?
1: Yeah,
0: and the numbers are there, and I've watched him pitch pretty much every game. I know what he does and can do. And he's found something that no one can beat right now. So and if he maintains the precision of a location, I, that's what I think. Now, of course, I, I'm i still kind of fixated on my belief of who the MVP in the team is going to wind up being. And I know I know very few people would agree with me, but I'd say it's Marwin Gonzalez.
1: Oh, I like it. Just because of the versatility that he's going to
0: Versatility, and also, you know, he's got to be hitting over 300 in the last, what, six three, weeks or three something?
1: 352 this month, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. So this is the real Marwin that we're seeing now. Obviously, the guy we saw in April was nowhere near ready to play.
1: Yeah, he's just slow slow to to deal after not playing all of spring training. Like, he he was in spring training. It's not like Miguel Snow not playing all of spring training, but yeah. an abbreviated spring training can do the Lomo thing or it can at least make you slow I, out I of the think gates.
0: that he's the team's best third baseman, first baseman, and left fielder.
1: There's a there's a legit case to to be brought up there. I think that's... And that's he's always been a
0: great clutch hitter. And we know that he'll have a few slumps because that's the nature of who he is. But I think, yeah, I think, you know, he's great for team chemistry. I go with Marwin.
1: Jack Morrison wants to know, Jack Morrison, that sounds like Jack Morrison. (laughs) Uh, He says, who are the twins looking to potentially trade for as the season inches closer? Now, I want you guys to just play along with me. I went with relievers as far as the, the main target. I mean, could they use a starting pitcher? Sure. I don't know what you would do for the offense because I really don't think you have room to add anything. So I went with relievers. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my power ranking one through five, and then I wanna know from each of you guys either what you think of my list or who you might add. But I said number one, Will Smith of San Francisco, number two, Michael Givens from Baltimore, Shane Green from Detroit, number three, Greg Holland at number four from Arizona, and then Ian Kennedy from Kansas City. They'd obviously have to kick in some money because he's got a big yeah. contract for next year. I think it's like sixteen and a half million. But that's my one through five. Ryan, I want to ask you first, what do you think of my list? And, and is there anybody else you've kind of focused on if you wanted to add a reliever?
4: I uh, like your list a lot. Uh, Will Smith is my guy, uh, has been really um, for the last few months in terms of, of targets with the Giants, not uh, not playing well. And he, he's really gotten back to form mm-hmm. over the last I mean, half a year or so, uh, maybe three, three quarters of a year. Uh, so he's been my guy. I actually, you know, there's a lot of, Twitter speculation and Twins fandom speculation about Madison Bumgarner. I I prefer Will Smith to Bumgarner in a trade. Wow! I think they I think they need a reliever more, and I think he's lights out. Um, I was going through just kind of in my head the other day, kind of a relievers confidence ranking, and Ryan Harper's probably the reliever I have the third most confidence in right now, well, which he, is he
1: faced three, four, no, five. Don't
4: no disrespect to him. He's been great. Yeah, um, but I think that says a lot. The other day but he faced you no. Know, it's Rogers. It's Parker. It's Harper.
1: Yeah. The other day he faced three, four, five, and then six, seven before he was taken out. I think it was, but that tells you where he's at on Rocco's he, list.
2: He, and, he saved the Anaheim game. Like yeah. he was the guy who yeah. came in and kind of yeah. like yeah, yeah. He pulled that handle when you had to, and it was it was he hit Trout, but he he got Otani. I think. That game was out.
1: insane. I was freaking out. Like even even though I'm agnostic as far as like rooting. Yeah, it was still like.
2: Well, if, if how's this going to end? It, it felt like the scene um, in Moneyball when Billy Bean walks in uh, against the Royals and things start to fall and he, off and the he, yeah, right yeah, yeah, he, you know, right? The guy drops the ball, and all of a sudden, ch-ch-ch-ch. and I think winning a game like that too, I use that as the lead to my latest piece. It tells you a lot about the twins that the bullpen's an issue because they were up big, but also maybe this is where they're a little different that there's some mental fortitude you'd hope and mm-hmm. that. A team like the the Angels, which is, they're just a funny team. They're like, they should be really good. The they're, owner, it's a big market. Though. They're
1: just not good. But
2: that, top, that what uh, Morin had to face, the top end of their uh, lineup is actually pretty solid, right? I mean, the, mm-hmm. the Trouts and the... Simmons. Yeah, Simmons, when he's, yeah. When he's got a healthy ankle.
1: Yeah, hey, he's out again, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah he that's tripped right. On,
1: he tripped on first base, and he's got a grade three sprain of his ankle. So he's oh. out for
2: probably two months D- dick oh. bremer trying to say his name was one of the funniest things <laughs> Andrelton I mean, Simmons? it is a very hard name Grand- to say. grandpa but... just can't handle that one,
1: huh? <laughs> they call it <laughs> they just call him simba in atlanta so i think that's probably easier so do either of you guys sitting here in front of me think that it's reasonable to expect them to add a bullpen arm and and you know where do you stand on my list
0: i like your list um i think in terms of who they could logically acquire um,
1: I think it's good reliever, bad team is what you have to focus well, on. Well,
0: that's what I'm thinking of. You know, I I mean, Shane Green fits that mm-hmm. perfectly and he can
1: throw in the high 90s. Also, the Tigers should be motivated to get rid of him as soon as possible right. because he's had some stretches where he's unhittable and then his elbow starts barking and he can't feel his th- fingers. You know, he had- yeah, That's a problem. Yeah. He had some nerve issues. I those. can
0: feel my fingers, but no one else can.
1: <laughs> they call him fingers, but you never see him fing. Oh, there they go. It's a there paradox. Yeah.
2: That's Otto from the Simpsons. (laughs) (laughs) Just just to throw a one of us name in there. Brad Hand? I was going to say if Cleveland just... I think we talked about him last week. Yeah. Yeah. Can we get that sound effect again? Yeah, I I can only do it once, I think. I was going to joke about Nick Anderson, but it looks like Nick Anderson is striking people out, but is not good otherwise. Oh, no. He's getting...
1: (laughs) If if you make contact against Nick Anderson, the exit velo is like an
2: average of one I saw it. I saw it live. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Dozier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh,
2: Brian
0: Dozier, <laughs> hey, he's up to 207 now, I think.
2: Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, are
0: you I'm talking forward. about weight or batting? Well, I am probably both, but.
1: <laughs> all right, here's the name that someone wants to know. Nick Olson wants to know about Francisco Liriano, who has been setting up Felipe Vasquez on the Pirates. Now, the Pirates are in a weird E3 spot in the NL Central in that the Cubs have just started lately taking off, so they're not blowing the doors off the, the barn, so to speak. The Cardinals, I think, are a better team than the Pirates, but they haven't played all that well. And the Brewers, we got to talk about Justin's. Uh, are you wearing a Domingo Santana player jersey today? Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. He is.
1: <laughs> he
2: says with so much. Pride. We are. We are
1: way in the weeds on that one, but <laughs> uh, I think the Brewers are better than the, them too. And I mean, the Reds could even be. The Reds made a lot of moves to be mediocre, which uh, yeah. was
2: about the only thing—the only team in baseball that made a bunch of moves to be mediocre. But uh, the, the Cardinals, I saw some stats. Started twenty and ten, and are like have won like four games two, since then or two something. And nine something, or something insane. yeah.
1: But if if the Pirates fall out, there's really no reason for them to keep Liriano. He's 35. Yeah. He's been setting up for Vasquez, like I said. These guys don't have any connection to Liriano. It's not Terry Ryan anymore or anything. But I don't know, getting a lefty out there to give Taylor Rodgers a little bit of support, it's not the worst
2: idea I've heard. It'd be such a funny return because there's, there's people who will remember... It'd be like like Jason Bartlett or Jason Kubel. Right, right. I think the only issue is if it falls apart, it's like that much worse because people are like,
1: we know who he is. Why is he back? Although the price would be not too much.
2: And as a brief aside, can we please stop talking about trade
1: proposals around Steven Gonsalves and Nick Gordon? Can we just call (laughs) for a moratorium on that? Yeah. Yeah, I know Ryan's got opinions.
4: Yeah, I I, those two are – I don't know if they're they're major leaguers, to be honest. So, and I think, uh, and I think a lot of fans still are on the, the prospect hype train with those guys, even though they've fallen off quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Francisco Liriano, you, you you well know I have a deep affinity for him. Um, he was your Byron Buxton before
1: Byron. That's,
4: that's exactly <laughs> right. He was, um, and just practically speaking, uh, to be able to have another lefty in the bullpen with Taylor Rogers, I think makes a lot of sense. So he's certainly a name. Um, especially relative to acquisition costs that I think would make sense.
1: Well, I think, too, the big thing is that the struggle of Hildenberger has given the Twins an opening to make an addition in the bullpen. I think we all viewed Hildenberger as, yeah, you know, he'll be the sixth inning guy. They're not going to ask a ton of him. But the fact that one of the guys with options got shelled means that guys like Ryan Harper, like Mike Morin have stepped up. But it also makes it more likely that if they wanted to go get somebody to fill that role, you know, they could DFA more, and I don't think they would do that now. But if, let's say, Harper slips, let's say he's Aaron Thompson 2.0 and he gets overworked and slips in July, they could easily send him down and make a trade. I think that opening between Hildenberger and and Addison Reed not being in the bullpen, before it seemed like a fairly stocked bullpen as far as who you're going to nudge out and how pissed are people going to be about it when they go beast somewhere else like Liam Hendricks. I think that there's an opening now for whether it's Craig Kimbrell or whoever to to make that addition, and it could be Francisco Liriano. I think it'd be a good fit.
4: Yeah, I would. I'd say there's honestly right now there's as many as four spots in the bullpen where you can kind of swap in and out with Austin Adams, Mike Moore, Tyler Duffy. And if Ryan Harper struggles, those are all guys you could. You'd have to DFA uh, Moore in. But Duffy has options. I believe Harper has options. I could be wrong on that. Oh answer, yeah, he's got he's know.
1: got all his options. Uh, I think he's got. So, that's a good question. I I think he's got one option left. He maybe two. No, either way. I mean.
4: Well, so uh-huh. yeah, it's. I mean, you have to DFA more, in, but Duffy has an option. Harper has an option, and then Austin Adams is you know just another arm. So there, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, room for improvement there and on the back into the roster in the bullpen um and i don't think any any guys you can lose sleep over potentially losing
1: right how about you mike what do you
4: yeah, think i mean I, I
0: agree there's four four guys in the bullpen probably who are just fungible so they stay they go it isn't going to make that much difference it's it's uh you know these are guys who've all pretty much very efficiently regressed to the mean or mm-hmm. will so uh What I want to see ideally is I want to see Sano hit 10 home runs in June so they can trade him. (laughs) But maybe I'm asking for too much.
2: I mean, to be fair, it is a move potentially like Felvey and Levine would do kind of put their stamp on the team or show like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think sometimes they like something electric to – for attention or whatever it is. But just one point on Nick Gordon, the injuries are the issue, right? He actually hit when he came Yeah, back. but,
1: I mean, it's it's such a small sample size. He had, yeah. He had the acute gastritis and then an adductor strain. Or, no, it, it might have been, a th-
2: I think, a thigh. Is that adductor? I and he's
0: know. a singles hitter, and he doesn't have much speed, right? Yeah,
2: I think I think why people are intrigued by that trade is that if Polanco, if we view him really as a second baseman down the road, you know, mm-hmm. long term, mm-hmm. It's nice to have a prospect that you can move that's in the same spot, right? Unless we think Nick Gordon's a shortstop. But he's not um, a better
1: fielder than than Polanco.
2: Yeah. And I guess that's kind of the luxury of being a um a team with a good farm system that's having unexpected success. Is again if like Kirlov takes off, yeah. Kepler then's a movable contract. Or you stuff can part like it out with you know, number ten
1: prospect, Akil Badu or something. Like he's he's struggling now, but but that kind of player can.
0: How is Nick Gordon? Uh, well, how does how, what's what's his ranking among prospects?
1: Uh, I'd say the consensus is about five or six. What about you? I know Ryan's got a personal top ten. Where would you put him? I'd say five or six at yeah. best.
4: In prospect in the Twins organization now, yeah. Nick yeah. Gordon. Yeah, maybe. I'd I'd have I'd have him in the twelve to sixteen range.
1: Okay, yeah, I, 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 I might have been overshooting. I'd have him. him in the team. Yeah, so I'm not. That's that's where I have trouble thinking he'd
2: have value. MLB.com has him at ten between Blaine Enlow and Stephen Gonzalez. Yeah, Gonzalez has fallen off the radar too. Yeah. Okay, so this one's a fun
1: one. Shane McGinnity, who Tom and I met at the last Twins Daily uh, Gleeman and the Geek thing. Yeah, Tuesday uh, Taproom Tour. Tuesday yep. Taproom Tour. He was from Kansas City, but he came up and was uh, hanging out at the tap taproom tour. He says, if you had to guess one guy not currently on the forty-man roster that has the best chance of making a big impact the rest of the year, who would it be? And I think I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read mine verbatim. Bruce Dar Gratterall as a high-octane reliever down the stretch. The Twins are going to have to fill rotation spots next year unless they somehow retain all of Odorizzi, Gibson, and Pineda. And if you want Gratterall in that mix to start 2020, you get his feet wet in
2: August and September throwing darts out of the bullpen. Thoughts? That that's where I'd go with that. I mean, I the other option there maybe is Lewis Thorpe. He's on the forty though. Oh yeah. Jake Reed maybe. But I mean I can't Jake, see. Him Jake be, Reed's another one that he's what, been trapped in
1: triple like A years. But he's not going to be a high end guy. That's why I go Gratterall completely off the I mean, not not necessarily off the radar, but if you're gonna get a high impact guy, it's gotta be him. Ryan, what do you think?
4: Yeah, I think Gratterall makes sense. Um there's not a lot of names that really fit that Fit as an answer to that question for me, as as far as guys that are close enough off the forty man to make an impact, the other guy that comes to mind, um, and I think it's a rush job, would be Kirilov If somebody got hurt, and yeah, he, he was crushing the ball. Maybe they rush him up there, but I don't see that happening. I think the uh, the Gratterall scenario was far more likely and 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 somewhat plausible. Mike,
0: uh, this is way above my pay grade. <laughs> I'm a horse player. <laughs> But but I mean I can't you, bet the horses and and still study the Twins minor league organization. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. But you, I mean, could you see them bringing a, a young kid to to put in the bullpen with mm-hmm. the idea that hey, let's see how you react on the big stage and then put you in the rotation next spring? I mean, is that is that a thing?
0: I I mean, is that a thing for now? I mean, when you're talking about this team, even though we know they've got a three percent chance of winning the World Series, but when you're talking <laughs> about a team that's gonna be in the postseason. I don't. I don't. Does that fit in with that scenario? It it,
2: it seem. It seems pennywise, pound foolish, right? That you're like. There's some excitement of here he is, and then okay.
1: But teams have done it with K Rod on the Angels in 2002. Sometimes it works. And Brandon Finnegan on the Royals a few years ago. Mm -hmm. It it can be done. Just will it be done? And and again, this is asking us to take a leap of faith. So yeah. Um, Shay's got another good one though, and I want to. I want us to transition into this one. Knowing that the Twins are on the verge of an awesome playoff run, I think he's just projecting a little bit, if you had to make three moves, what would they be? And specifically, which players would you pursue and or trade? Now, I just went with two moves, trade for Marcus Stroman, trade for Will Smith, and then the third one I said, that's it. Because a bullpen with not only Will Smith but Michael Pineda in it would be absolutely filthy. You'd be stocked one through five in your rotation. And if you wanted to get greedy... You could trade for Jose Abreu if CJ Crone cools off or theoretically Nick, Nicholas Castellanos I guess too mm. if you wanted but honestly I don't really see them moving on from CJ Crone because he's been so good defensively besides but uh, honestly I think you only make two moves. Ryan how many moves would you want to make and who would they be?
4: Yeah I don't know that I see, see three moves as necessary. I, I agree right. with you. Will Smith, Will Smith as I already alluded to is my guy so he'd be uh, he'd be the first one. And yeah, I mean, I think another frontline starter, a number two type starter wouldn't hurt. I think if you look at, uh, guys in terms of availability, strong, certainly makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit of a bounce back kind of buy low type deal, but John gray, I think makes sense in terms of visibility to miss bats. Um, but yeah, you know young guys like that still with upside, who can be a number two, number three slot, starter that you slot right in. Uh, but in terms of bats, I don't, I don't necessarily see um, see where they would need all that much help, to be
1: honest. Yeah. Mike, feel free to speak in generalities if you wish, but I mean- you
0: know the, the number one thing I, I think they need, and I, I think you probably feel the same way is they, they really need a closer. Mm-hmm. And or a guy who can close some of the time,
1: but if Kimbrel gets signed, mm-hmm. he's that specific closer. Sure. Do you want a closer proper, or do you want a fireman who can put out a fire seventh, eighth, or ninth?
0: I, uh, you know, I would say both. I mean, it which just, do you prefer though? It do, you, just do, you have one, do you have
1: one higher on your priority list than the other? Probably
0: a closer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably a guy who can come in and who can throw in the upper nineties, preferably,
1: who can be a real closer.
0: Yeah, I, they don't have that guy, and I think most really good teams, all really good teams, seem to have that guy.
1: Do you prefer Kimbrell or someone in a trade? Yeah, uh, because Kimbrel hasn't played. Yeah, that's, and the last thing we saw of him the in the World Series was wasn't good. And I'm I mean, going
0: back to Shane Green. I think if he's yeah. if he's healthy, I think he's the he's the guy throws that throws the they hell can, out of the ball. He does, and they can get him. So probably not for much. No, so I I'd say if I had to pick one guy, he'd be the guy.
2: Tom. I think it's all kind of been said. I think the question is, do you take the risk? It's not a trade, but shaking up the clubhouse. No, I'm saying. Oh, I giving you say- it, Yeah, I mean that, that's more a Madison Bumgarner, I think, issue. Yeah. Um, do I, you? I don't think the closer. I could be wrong. I don't think a closer matters as much in terms of cl- clubhouse. Well, chemistry. you're wrong
0: about that. Well, my bad. No, I'm sorry. Um, no, but I think I think the <laughs> closer allows you to
1: bunch up. Yeah, your Mays and your your Parkers and your Rogers for other fires, and so a, a traditional right. closer. As much as I'm mm-hmm. a new school thinker, I think I agree with the idea that a, a closer in the ninth could be a good
0: idea. I think it's good for pitchers to have slots that
1: they're mm-hmm. comfortable in. Well,
2: they say it. As, they say it as much too. So, yeah. so my point there is: Do you cut in line um, and get Kimbrel, knowing you'd have to give up a draft pick? Which, to me, I think only is not worth it if if Kimbrel is just a dumpster fire you know yes, it's which, a, it's, which could happen i don't yeah. think it's likely but okay
1: the next question is about Kimbrel. but first i want to ask you guys if Kimbrell is still available after the draft what are your what is your odd odds on like uh um, we're gonna we're gonna talk up down your or talk down your alley there mike percentage chance the twins end up with Kimbrel mm. after the draft mike you this
0: this organization like most is pretty unpredictable they have they have their own scouting reports, and and they're sharply focused on what they think they need. So, I mean, if I was a betting man, I'd say very unlikely that they'll get him.
1: If you were a betting man,
0: if I were a betting man, okay, well, I, know, I would take <laughs> I would take ten
1: to one odds. Okay, I just I'm I'm more laughing about the idea if you were a betting man, but yeah yeah, 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 Tom.
0: Well, obviously, it's yeah. I guess a, that's uh, a scurrilous allegation.
1: I'm
2: going to say 20 percent because I don't think there's going to be that many teams. Mm-hmm. I was going to guess 15, 20. I think the problem is he probably knows what the twins are. Oh, he's got a contract odds. in hand, probably for the day after. No, no, no. But also, like he he knows the twins are an opportunity to pitch in the postseason. It's not necessarily an opportunity to contend, and he may be looking at which team. So you're taking Mike's point and then tacking on the the likelihood of postseason r- postseason success. Let's yeah. say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay,
1: Ryan, how about you?
4: i'll say 10 um i've always i've long thought that he's gonna wind up back in atlanta um yeah they're it's still a... contending and he's got familiarity there and they have a need so i've always thought he's gonna end up back there
1: i
3: think that's where he'll end up sitting.
1: so scott burlingame wants to know if the complete meltdown of addison reed is why teams especially the twins are leery to throw millions at Kimbrel. ryan
4: yeah if it's part of it right I think it has to be, um, I mean, he's not,
1: he's not getting four years and especially not from the twins. If the twins sign him, the most he'll get is two years. And th- I'd say 35 million, 36 million.
4: Yeah. I, I think, I think any deal he ends up with, I don't think he's getting a third year guaranteed, um, uh, maybe a 30 year team option, but I, I certainly don't think he's getting three, four years guaranteed. And, but you look at a guy like Addison Reed and you wrote this last night into this morning. Brandon, he was one of the more stable options on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, was was never hurt. It always had uh, always performed much like you know David Robertson in the past. And now Robertson's hurt as well. Um, you just never know what these guys. Relievers are so volatile, so that's why uh, uh, a lot of
1: teams and I think rightfully so have multi-year deals. How about you, Mike? I mean,
0: well, it's definitely true. You're when you're talking about a potential ace reliever. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a guy who is as likely to be seriously injured as he is to be a star, to be that guy. This is what you deal with with closers. That's why they're always available. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I think that I wouldn't go above two years. The other thing is people know there's internal options, right? You think of like Glenn Perkins was sitting there when the Twins needed a closer. and, and yeah. mm-hmm. Maybe it's unrealistic to think they, they should have known then. But kind of what we were saying with Gratterall, maybe not a closer, but there is a relief option there. You just have to look at a starting prospect as, as a relief
1: option. Mm-hmm. All right. Ryan, did you you chimed in, I think, right? Yeah. Okay, I want to make sure I didn't miss you. All right, here's the last one. No, then, what's that? I said we're good. <laughs> okay. Uh, last one, and then we'll call it a day. And this is a fun one for for me and especially for you as a Byron Buxton guy. Terry Anderson wants to know, if you can have Byron Buxton as he's performing now for the next 8 to 10 years, no more, no less, or what's behind door number two, which is even more untapped potential, but also a lower floor, what do you choose and why? And Ryan, i got to know your opinion first. I mean, do you want a more volatile Buxton, or would you lock into what you have right now? Because I said lock into what he is right now. I, I You, you want to gamble on that Mike Trout potential if he were to – have more than than what he's shown but honestly i'd lock in at where he is now which is you know good bj upton maybe
4: yeah if if i i I would do the same i mean if if you're talking about locking in for the next seven eight years to a guy hitting 275 280 who's gonna hit a lot of doubles Mm -hmm. has a little pop in his bat and play the best defense in center field in the league um uh, give me that Because I I mean that's what a four and a half five week player, and uh, that's nothing the maturity knows up at.
0: Absolutely.
1: How about about you, Mike? Where it is? How about you, Mike?
0: Is Buxton is solid? You pretty much know what to expect from him, and it's pretty good. Uh, Because I believe he has reinvented himself, or or with the help of many other people, I believe what we see now is what we're going to get. Only I think we'll see something a little better. I think he'll get better at running the bases. He has to with all that. He's working on something. Yeah. Exactly. No, I'd I'd be more than happy to get Buxton rather than just start dreaming
1: about something. Do you think sending him home last year helped at all? And I know everybody got pissed off about it, Mm -hmm. but honestly, the fact that he was Mm healthy-ish, I think they said, listen, we're going to lose 90 games, and then they won. They lost 84 because they played teams less interested in winning than they were down the stretch and won like seven in a row. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sending him home ended up being the right move. Yeah, I,
0: I think that it would have, it probably would have worked out either way. Yeah. So I don't. I, There's there so many things that that we we could disagree about. Why I, I look for trouble, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is you're not, right here. Yeah. I don't have to look for trouble. No,
0: exactly. Yeah, and don't, I love to look for trouble. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, at my
1: age, it's hard to find. <laughs> at least we have a podcast studio um, that we can have you here.
2: Mm-hmm. I like that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Tom. Mm-hmm. Um yeah i'm just, i I agree that Buxton now is is a solid player. I think to play devil's advocate, especially if he was twenty three I think you yeah, definitely he's, definitely he's gamble I now. think him being twenty five I guess the the thing is if um it's hard to change the narrative that to be fair, he had no control over that sports Illustrated what like two thousand and thirteen said you have Harper and trout in your minor league system, right, and I think we're gonna learn that. You have probably an all-star in Buxton mm-hmm. and with Sano, a really volatile hitter who <laughs> really kind of makes you shake <laughs> you, your head. You might best. have Mark Reynolds. You might have. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who protect, The, the yeah, problem is Joey that you
0: prob- what you probably have is Sano.
2: <laughs> let it Sano
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe don't let it Sano.
0: Yeah, that's what I'd say.
1: <laughs> uh, you guys have any closing thoughts before we uh, sh- shove off uh, for this dreary Wednesday? <laughs> Got to bring <laughs> dreary back to the table.
0: It's actually pretty nice out by now. Uh, no, magically. And I'm the that. last
1: one to say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I don't mind. I, I kind of like it chilly. Anyway. You know, I,
0: I come from a family where people, let's just say they always were able to see the dark cloud behind the dark cloud. Oh, geez. Yeah. It wasn't pretty, <laughs> but I'm not going to go into that, as some people
1: might. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's for next time.
0: You know, this is, I, I'm i not a Twins fan. You know, I'm not a, uh, because I've been a journalist. And mm-hmm. so I'm not used to cheering and I wouldn't cheer for this team, uh, but I enjoy watching them, and I think people who are fans, they, they're they definitely getting, uh, especially if they mute their, uh, the TV, mm-hmm. they're going to get a lot of entertainment.
1: Keep you on the edge of your seat or on the corner of your seat?
0: Well, yeah, I know you don't like either Edge though. and corner. Well, if it truly is the corner, then that's fine too. Sure. But Grandpa doesn't uh, know the difference between <laughs> the edge and the corner.
2: <laughs> Tom, anything to close with? No. I think it's, uh, I think as much as, the twins will be an entertaining product throughout the, the mm. course of the season. I think they're a likable team. Yes. I think yeah. people need to be realistic with how far they can actually go in kind of the first year of the Rocco era.
1: Well, as the night, oh, Ryan, first, I got to ask you of anything to shove off with.
4: Yeah. I mean, just, just from the twin fan perspective, I would say just enjoy it. I mean, the ball club's 32 and 16, their second best record in baseball is that they haven't uh, played this well in quite some time. So, um, Instead of looking to the future, worrying about hey, can this team beat the Yankees? Can this team beat the Astros? Whatever it may be, just enjoy it while they're playing this well, and um, hopefully show up to the ballpark.
1: Is, yeah, that's what I would say. I think there's more left in the tank too. Uh, you know, they haven't been overly impressive in some of these wins, and so they could. So still you don't think better. they played their best baseball? I don't think they played their best baseball yet. And I know that's probably going to floor some people, but I, I go back to 1987 as we as we close. We were just trying to get our affairs in order, and we won the whole dang thing. Mm. I feel like when you talk to – when I talked to Thad Levine in the offseason, they said, you know, we don't view our window as open yet. We're opening in – we are opening the window. I think the window got sucked in by the rest of the league just kind of deciding, you know what, we're not going to try. The Twins are 32-16, and and they're not going to play teams regularly who are trying. Yeah. So they could easily win it's gonna be about half and half. They could be 90, they could win 95 games, and it won't be like they were that much better than last year. Mm. Just because teams aren't trying. But that's all we got for this week's edition for Tom Schreyer, for Ryan Turnquist on the phone, and for the Twitterless Mike Gelfand, the <laughs> dreary Mike Gelfand. We got Justin <laughs> producing. This is Brandon Warren saying thank you so much for listening to Midwest Swing, part of the zone coverage podcast. Rock over London, rock on Chicago.